Okay, well, welcome to uh, another episode of Forever Bristol City podcast being recorded the morning after the night before. It finished uh, Ashton Gate, City Nil, Coventry Nil. I'm joined by uh, Neil Sutton. Ian should be uh, somewhere. I don't know where he is, but uh, he's probably out walking the dog. Um, Neil, um, you know, if we're taking a cup half full point of view on this, uh, it's a clean sheet. Is that the only positive we should draw from it? What do you think? No, I don't think it's the only positive. I think we didn't lose the game. You know, if we if we go back to um, the start of Pearson's reign, the 2021 season, the end of the, you know, he some of the points that he was making is as a club we need to learn that if we're not going to win the game, we don't lose the game. Mm. Going into last season, the amount of late goals that we conceded, whether it would be you know, for a draw or for an actual, uh, uh, you know, a, a loss. Um, it's about game management, Dave, isn't it? Yeah. Really, at the end of the day. Um, I looked at Coventry last night uh, before the game and a little bit of a false position for them, I think. They, mm. they they were a decent side last year. They've kept the squad reasonably intact. Docker's up front, I thought might have gone, but he's still there. And um, last four games, they've um, you know they've gone to Luton, drawn at Luton. They went away to Birmingham, went down to ten men, drew nil nil, um, beat Middlesbrough one nil. Yeah. Um, and obviously last night, so they've conceded one goal in the last three games. And Robbins has obviously thought, right, we need to be tight. We need to you know make sure we don't concede, not particularly ambitious. And it was up to us to break them down last night. And we had our chances, but we weren't clinical, but we didn't lose the game. No, I suppose that's the key thing of looking at it. I mean, looking at the uh, starting lineup, we were without Alex Scott. Matty James is still out with the uh, injury. The uh, Masengo-King combo, um, it's it's not ideal. And it didn't last for the whole game because obviously Naismith... Uh, <laughs> Went off, but you know it was good to see Cam Pring come back in. But um, Kane Wilson, I would say he's on the naughty step, but uh, you know he was out of the eighteen altogether, wasn't he yesterday? So what what should we read into that? Because a lot of people were saying on here, even though he made that cameo sub appearance, he did not look like a guy that was up to the rigours of Championship football, did he? Well, we spoke in the last podcast, Dave, about uh, my views on Wilson at the moment. There's obviously a player there. He was the League Two player of the season last year. It's a massive jump, isn't it, between League Two up to the Championship. Um, I'm a little bit not understanding why we're not giving minutes to certain free fringe players in the under-21s. I know the under-21s are a side that are doing exceptionally well in their league and we want, we've got this progression plan for a lot of the younger players and I understand that. But I don't see where the Prings, the Martins, the uh, the Tanners and the Wilsons, of course, are going to get their minutes in to get match sharpness. I mean, if Tanner was to come on now, how many minutes has he actually played in competitive action this year? Wilson and Martin and Pring, also examples. So I'm not quite sure of this thing of um, rotating. But Wilson, to me, like we said in the last podcast... Um, a little ropey defensively. I know that Pearson mm. has alluded to it that he's better going forward than defensively, but uh, and that Tanner is better defensively than going forward, and Sykes is 
a bit of both, but not ideal, but the better option of the three at the moment. Uh, Wilson defensively, not great. And when we went to that flat back four, him and Viner on the right-hand side of the pitch, you know, it's not offering much help to uh, Zach there, really. No, oh, you say him and Viner. Yeah, you're talking about the QPR game. Yeah, yeah. When he came on. The last, yeah. the last time I saw him play, really, the last time we saw him play. Yeah. But as you said, and as we said on the previous podcast, it's all about getting minutes uh, on the pitch. I mean, Semenyo started uh, last night. He played three quarters uh, of the game. Um, good to see him start. But as we were saying just before we started recording, there was one chance in the second half and a couple of instances where it looked like the Semenyo of, I'll say, 18 months ago, where it was all very rushed and wasn't controlled. Yes? Is that how you saw it? Yeah, I think... I. The one I was alluding to was uh, what he does exceptionally well is one-on-one. There's not too many better forwards, I think, in a division one-on-one from a standing start. Mm. You know, it's, it's, if he comes deep and gets the ball, and we haven't seen him do too much running from the halfway line like the Fulham away of last season and stuff like that. But... From a standing start, he has got power and he's got pace, hasn't he, to get past mm. pretty much any defender in, in the championship. But that one time when he you know, he got past on the left-hand side and just needed a little bit of composure to cross it to Wells at the back post, and he absolutely walloped it, didn't he? Mm. <laughs> I mean, if anybody had actually got their head on it, they probably would have you know, had half their head hanging off. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and you're just like, oh, yeah, there's times there where you just see the Semenyo of, as you say, 18 months, two years ago, there's the composure. Last yeah. year, I'm sure, when he was at his best last year, last season, he would have rolled that across or just got it up and thought, oh, I don't need to hit it quite so hard. You know, mm. but, and it's little things, isn't it? In a, in a, The margins are so fine in a championship. Anybody can beat anybody else in a championship, and the margins are so fine. Well, and just to pick up again on a point there, you know, we, we say we were disappointing against QPR. You know, they're some side, you know, and they went to Bramall Lane last night and uh, beat uh, Sheffield United 1-0. Uh, I think it was Willock scored again. So Sheffield United, you know, we're, I'm moaning because, you know, one point from two home games. You know, Sheffield United, I think they drew at home against this coming Saturday's opponents, Birmingham at the weekend, or maybe it was Preston. So they've only picked up one point out of six at home themselves. I mean, the first half, um, and I sit lower lands down, so I'm to the left, to the Atio side of that, wasn't, we didn't really test the goalkeeper, did we, in that opening uh, 45? And neither did they down the other end for that matter. Yeah? No, it was a, it was a good attempt, I thought, by Semenya. Yeah. For about half an hour. I thought he chested it down well, took the shot well, good save. But, um, yeah, and we're still waiting for the Masengo goal, whether or not it actually comes before he leaves the club. It's almost well, turning into one of those John Jensen-type moments, isn't it, where people are going to make T-shirts. I was there. When he scored, um, yeah. When he scored, you know. It's almost like if Bristol City want to start advertising, Masengo is starting, don't miss out on potentially the only goal you're ever going to see from him. Yeah. yeah, come yeah. and come and see. I thought he did all right <laughs> last night, Masengo. To be fair, I mean, you I know, thought he lost a few him. physical challenges in the middle days. Mm. And I, and talk- I mm. yeah, 
So what did you think? He is what he is. Dave Fevs and I have a constant battle about our particular views of Masengo. I think he's been with the club three years and I don't see consistency and I don't see um, progression in the way in which you see it with other players, the Conways, the Scots, the Semenos. You know, you see progression, you see um, somebody tuning themselves more to the Championship moving forward. Dave Fevs takes a different view to myself and I respect that. I don't have an issue with that, but I'd, I don't think if and when he goes at the end of the season, we've offered him a contract. He won't, He th- obviously believes that he's worth more than what we're offering for a multitude of reasons, no doubt. And we say thank you ever so much and away we go and we reset for next season. I mean, and we, because we've offered him a contract, do we get a few pennies for him? Yeah, it, it, dep- it depends. That. It depends if he goes overseas. I'm thankful to a number of others on the forums for this because they know this better than I do. But um, if he goes to a French team or a European team, uh, we'll get significantly less for the training, etc., and the under-23 scenario than we would if he went to a club in this country. I, I, I can't see him. I can't see him with uh, staying in this country. I think he'll go. Back to France. Yeah, no, go play abroad. And yeah, and maybe he's already got a move lined up. I would suggest he probably has. And because well, his, his dad Ted is, Club his dad hasn't is, got to this so far. Yeah, this yeah, so far unnamed club. You yeah. know, they've said, look, they haven't got to pay a fee, so we get you the money, get you the money uh, that you, yeah, you, I, you, I, you want. I do, th- I do think this, the whole thing around Masengo over the years has been built up and built up, isn't it? And you, you've always felt there's, Style over substance, a little bit. I mean, well, if he was a normal bloke without big, if he was a normal there. bloke, yeah, if he was a normal bloke without big hair and a song about him, you know, I mean, <laughs> he'd probably he'd slip into the. Well, is he all that? And we come on to other players of are they all that in a moment? I mean, how did you feel when uh, Naismith went off? It was after forty-one minutes. Uh, he hadn't done any ricks at all. I think he was playing to. Uh, Instructions. We haven't had an injury update on him, have we? Cal Naismith, have we? Is it no, hamstring or no, no injury update? No. You know, God Not help us. Seen. You know, I mean, seen. you know, he 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 went off uh, and save early in the second half. Uh, Andy King slotted into that role. City could have gone to a flat back four then, I guess, uh, or they could have brought Cam Pring on, but the manager, in his infinite wisdom, chose to bring on. Uh, a midfielder and put him there. And I thought he did all right, to be honest, and I wouldn't be averse to him starting on Saturday, uh, assuming Naismith um, is not able to play. How did how did you see uh, uh, Naismith going off, his performance until he went off, and then Andy King's performance for the uh, 45, 50 minutes that he was on? Well, I th- we, we've spoken before about Naismith in as such that there's not a ready-made replacement for him. The way that he plays a sort of the conductor quarterback role almost, you know, um, and so much is actually going through him. So in some ways, I wasn't surprised when Andy King went back there because what other options have you got? Who is going to get hold of that ball down the middle, look to pass, look to get on the front foot? You know, it's a bit of a kick in the teeth for the defenders on the bench. Well, you could have, you could, if he went off, you could have put George Tanner on and moved Viner into the middle with Atkinson and Jada Silva if you wanted a little bit of height. You have the option of campering. So you could have kept Zach 
where he is, move Atkinson into the middle. Yeah, I, Campring. yeah. I mean, there were there were there were options. I, I, there were options, I thought, weren't there? Yeah, I've 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 been saying for a while one of the options potentially with um, with Naismith is to take him out of the middle because he played as a left centre back for Luton last year, and I think when you're in the centre, sometimes you know you can get dominated physically, and and that's such a key sort of role for a player who is a converted centre-back you know he's mm. converted from a winger and I just thought over the time would, would it be better with Atkinson in the centre and Naismith as a left centre-back so so when he went off last night my first thought was is he going to move Atkinson into the centre and bring Pring on on the left yeah. which which would seem a natural thing rather than obviously Tanner who is right-sided but mm. I could understand the reasoning uh, bringing King on because, you know, you bring King on and um, uh, William slots in in the middle, really. Mm. Uh, I thought he did okay. You know, it's, he said that in training, he's, his interview after the game, he said, um, you know, I've been doing a little bit of training in that position given the, the Tim Close personal reasons and in inverted commas that we spoke mm. about. And... Uh, you know, Callas. Are we ever going to see Callas again? Full stop. Really, I don't know. Really. Well, okay. I think I think the thing with Callas, you know, it, it, it's Tom who works with me. He said, you know, we always view the players that are out for injury coming back. They're our messiah to save us from stuff. But as I said to Tom with Callas, and I know he's an international defender of repute, but our form over the last six months, which is the time that he's been out. I know there's summer in the middle of that, but we, in many respects, I don't think. We've missed him. Or you could argue that had he been back and we are playing, we certainly played better over the last six months, would he have shored up some of the goals? Because if you took six goals out of our defence, six goals away, not taking particular matches, but any six goals fewer that we conceded, because what we conceded now, is it 18? Yeah. Yeah. If we'd have conceded 12, which would still be bang average in the division, I think that would have contributed to us say at least another five points, yeah, and we'd be right up there. But getting back to your point, Callas, we'll, we will not see Callas in a shirt before the uh, World Cup. That's my prediction. Yeah, and then after the World Cup, the transfer window opens, and that's the last chance, you know, for Callas to get a move that we'll get any money for. Otherwise, he's going to walk in the summer for nothing, isn't he? Unless he accepts a much, much reduced offer. And I mean probably half the money that he's on at the moment is his case, yeah? Yeah, he'll he'll have offers. He'll have offers. I, th- I think the thing with Thomas Callas is we know he's a good defender. He's mm. He is a good defender. The issues that I've had with, with Callas is when he's been asked to be a leader out there and he's not comfortable, he's not a communicator and he tries to do too much in a way you know he over overcommitting himself overcompensating for other people around mm. him which then affects his performance you know when he's at his best he is a top top championship defender yeah. when he's at his best i would have loved to have seen him alongside naismith because naismith is the vocal naismith is the organizer that would have taken all of that pressure away from callas and then he could have yeah. just focused on his own role and focused on his own play mm. and and obviously I, he would have been a better option than Zach I know Zach is in there and I know he didn't have a bad game per se 
last night. But well, I was looking at know, a poll. Every- I was looking at a poll that Matt Matt Wiz did on the Matt Wiz did on Twitter, and uh, Zach he gave four options to be man of the match, and I my put of the four that were quoted, I put my uh, vote alongside uh, Zach uh, because I think he's. I thought he did some good forward balls last night. And of the defenders, you know, he's, you know, how do, how, well, I'll ask you the question. You know, how do you view, I know they're right and left-sided, so very different. But how do you view um, Zach in terms of reliability right now alongside, say, Rob Atkinson? You know, because Rob has his moments of, uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, doesn't he? I, I love Rob Atkinson. Mm. I love him. He's, I mean, my my son thinks I've got a real love in with him. I I think when you look at him, he's got pace, on him deceptive pace, deceptive pace. And when we were up at the HPC uh, last season, we saw the the stats on there, and he's deceptively quick, mm. and he's he loses a hell of a lot less physical challenges than when he first came to the club, yeah. and made that step up last season. And obviously, last season he had illness, he had fitness he had covid and all the rest of it this season for me he's arguably been our best defender atkinson okay now yeah. the what the, the one thing with viner is his physicality there is something he's a tall guy and he's for the size of him he gets he gets boss doesn't he if, if you were if you were an opposition manager you would look to target and isolate viner and you yeah. would say to one of your strikers, the best example I've seen is um, uh, Sunderland. Mm-hmm. They started off, Wallace was on him, and then Sims, from my position in E32, Sims said to him, I'll go on him. And then he won a couple of challenges. He lets the ball bounce and when, when it's in the air and little things that, you know, you think, are oh, you actually a central defender? Because he, he, he's a right-back, isn't he? He's a right-back, really, playing as a centre-back. Mm. And physically, he gets bossed. And for me, that's a little bit... I'm a little bit fearful of Birmingham at the weekend, I have to say, because um, they are a team last season that absolutely <laughs> did one on us. They away did, up there. I remember it was... That, it's because uh, they got Troy Deeney. Is Troy Deeney playing for them? Yeah, he has been. And he, yeah, didn't he but... score at the weekend? I think he scored yeah. the goal. I think he scored. But the they've got they've got a load of long. But they've got Chong again, and um, I think they've got that Hannibal on loan, haven't they? From although I'm not sure whether he's suspended at the moment because I think he got sent off the other day. Mm. But from Man United, they seem to have a good link into Man United there. But for for me, all the good things that he does on the pitch, and it, and it, he can do some good good things. Um, gets let down by the physicality. And then what happens is when when he makes a mistake, his head still drops. I don't know whether you've noticed from lower lands yeah. His body language, he can very quickly go, uh, like that. And almost as if, you know, the crowd is on him and his confidence is... He, he, he just looks fragile a little bit mentally and certainly physically. Um, there was a couple of times against QPR, uh, going back to the game, last game, mm. um, at home where he just sort of switched off as well I didn't know in that second half when the ball was loose do you remember after about 85 minutes the ball went there and yeah just down in that channel track where of the he ball, is didn't but as he? you say does he get does he get enough does he get enough um, support um, in front of him from Sykes because Sykes you know I mean again let's assume Callas does come back or 
close comes back. Um, you know, could would you does Sykes offer any more than Zach going forward from the right wing back position? Well, I th- we've got an issue, haven't we? With the wing backs again, I remember you and I did a podcast with Chris Honor where we did a review of the season, and we looked at the stats from last year. And you know, the WSM up front, how many goals they scored, but it wasn't just the goals that they scored; it was the assists, wasn't they it? Created they created about thirty, 30 of the goals. Of the goals. Yeah, they created. You know, I think it was about forty odd assists out of fifty-two mm. or something like that. And Jada Silva, I think, had about four assists all season from left wing back. And I think our right-back stats for the 10 or so players that played at right wing-back. You know, teams now are looking at us and they're going, right, we're just going to give them all the time of day to hit those crosses in from the right Mm -hmm. wing-back and left wing-back position. And let's defend the six-yard box. Because our crossing generally is shite, Dave, isn't it? I mean, let's be honest. Do you turn I your mean, speaker down a bit, Neil? There's a little bit of feedback coming in. Yeah, up. sorry. Is that any better? One, two, one, two. No, still echoing. Bit better? One, two. Perfect. No, sorry about that. Still echoing. Apologies, still echoing. I know people complain. I can hear um, myself. <laughs> but I, you've started to see teams now that are just dropping off and allowing our wingbacks to have 20 yards or whatever because they're just like, okay, if they actually get a decent cross in or they get this or they get to the bylines or they get the crosses in great but I don't think they're going to do it and by and large we don't do we well we don't don't. oh sorry Neil can you turn it right down or whatever because I can hear myself coming back through uh, my cans that's better that's better that's it stop now yeah Um, yeah, no there's no crosses I I I think the wing back position we all hoped as a club and I'm sure uh, Pearson hoped as a club that Wilson was going to be somebody who offensively gave us a new dimension on the right, and it hasn't quite panned out that way. No, and, uh, and that has is... to be a big disappointment for him, doesn't it? And Sykes has been a bonus, but you know, defensively he was at fault against QPR for the uh, second goal. If you want to be picky, and whilst he had a, a reasonable amount of that, that, that final cross. That final cross into the uh, final cross into the box just wasn't there. I mean, it was interesting from my position in the lower Lansdowne, The way we attacked in that first half, we were so ponderous that, and I was sat next. I took a guy along with me who's a, a far better technical watcher of the game uh, than I am, and he said, "Look, you know, you're so slow with the build-up. By the time you get there, Coventry have got eight men." behind the ball and then if we switch into the second half where Coventry are attacking the goal mouth that is my end I mean Tom who works with me he was saying that the number of times that Coventry I won't say broke through but they almost bypassed the midfield and there were lots of you know not two on one but you know one-to-one situations where well his view was a better side than Coventry would have scored at least a couple of goals, yeah? And, you know, and Coventry with Gokarez, they weren't crossing the ball. They were just very direct through the middle, you know? And when we talk about crosses coming in, to Silva and, and um, Sykes aren't very good at doing that. But our, even our men in the middle last night, Semenyo and Wells, you know, they, they didn't, they weren't, you know, they weren't interacting as a, 
as a good couple, were they? And, you know, whereas Wells, does Wells play better with Conway than Semenyo? I mean, what, what's what's your view on that, Neil? Well, I think I think ultimately, over the last couple of days, we've had somewhere in the region of 75 to 80 crosses, haven't we? Mm. That goal at the weekend from Wells was um, Vyman breaking through to the line. It didn't come from the wing-backs again. Can I just say uh, good morning to oh, everybody? And sorry, I, I, sorry I couldn't get in earlier on IT problems, but I'm okay now. <laughs> ah, wonderful. Miss, uh, Mr. All right, well, we're not we're yeah. doing we're, we're we're not getting too much uh, into uh, the detail of the game, but since you joined us, uh, Ian, um, I was just saying, you know, Coventry in the second half. The guy who sat next to me, he said they had five good chances that a better side than them would probably have put one away. And I still haven't worked out whether that was handball or a header off the line. I think it was a header, but Wyman, Wyman's hand was up there and he was, he was lucky that the referee didn't think he hit it. But that's by the by now. We got a point, um, one point from two home games. It's got to be disappointing the way we were going. Um, in fairness, we've now kept four clean sheets in the last five home games. So with, with the problem that we're having with conceding goals, that is a major positive. Yeah. Um, but Coventry could have won that game, even though we were the better team, even though we had 67% of the ball, we only had two shots on target. And, and one of the things that um, your friend you were with said is perfectly right. We're ponderous. There's no tempo. And if you play the ball slowly, all that happens is Coventry funnel back they had a back 10, they have Goikers up front, and you can't play through it. We haven't got the ability to play through it, it, it not, not very often. We're a better side uh, when we've got 40% possession than when yeah. we've got 60 We had 57% against QPR, but in those, um, but we had uh, apparently three shots on target last night. And so you had Semenyo, Wells' overhead kick, and another one that I can't remember, but. Coventry could have won that game in the first seven minutes of the second half. Yeah. Uh, and I totally agree with that. We, we could have easily... Stop. Ian, you're clicking a pen and it's upsetting Tim Monaghan. He says every time you click that pen, a puppy dies. <laughs> yeah. Um, it won the pen, actually. But um, I, I think that look, looking at it... Uh, it was very, it, you have to say it was a very disappointing game. It wasn't as bad as Saturday. Um, and I thought there were, some, there were some positives in the game. I mean, Andy King going back there and playing, who knew he could do that? Um, but I, I think on Saturday, I'd be inclined to give Andy Vyman a rest and go with a more solid midfield against Birmingham. Yeah. I don't want to hear any of this always oh, a difficult place to go, baloney, about Birmingham because their home record this year is poor. Right, they've scored four goals in five games. They've won one, drawn two, and lost two. So let's not have any of that. Oh, we're going up there and let's come away with a point. Let's go up there and beat them, and then that takes us to eighteen points, which is uh, what the uh, sixth place is at the moment. And then you're moving into home games again. It could get you back up in the top. Well, six. we just said that. We just said well, that before it. before you came on here. If you look at the next. Three games, um, you know, it, it's Birmingham, Preston, and Millwall. That's three games that you, you'd look at that, and as you rightly say, we mustn't be uh, shinking violence and think, "Oh, Preston, we're making excuses," you know, because you can make excuses, you know, because as Neil said, 
a few moments ago. We went to Birmingham last season and they roughed us up with Troy Deeney and what have you. And then you can say, oh, Preston are our uh, bogey team. Then, oh, Millwall play a very defensive game when they're away from home. You know, we're getting the excuses in early. I just want to go back to Neil, actually. That second half, I thought that was a cracking effort from... Uh, Naki Wells that uh, the keeper tipped over, but do you, did did you think that was would have gone in? I mean, that was that to me was the closest uh, we came. I thought. What did you think? Yeah. I, th- I think Conway had a decent header. That was a decent chance just after he yeah. after he came on. Another sort of cross cross in decent header. Anywhere else other than at the keeper, it was going at pace. I think the Naki Wells one was quite a simple nice. save for him, wasn't it? Mm. I think it was a big loop, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 He'd have been disappointed if uh, that had gone in. Um, I'll stick with you, Neil, and ask Ian the same question. Do you think, and this has been levelled at a manager before, he only used two subs yesterday. And um, I'm just looking at the, uh, where are we now, the lineups. Um, He had to make an enforced one just before half time and then he brought Conway on for Semenyo. you know, there was a decent bench to select from there. Were you surprised he didn't make more changes and maybe give Kaji a run around in midfield? Because if you took Masengo out, say, with 10 minutes to go, he wasn't so good that you were going to deplete the strength in midfield. But do you think he could have made more substitutions? Or do you think, whereas he overdid it against QPR using uh, five, he was just trying to be a bit more steady? Neil, you first. I think... I think- there's there's this bizarre way of doing things now where you can make five subs, can't you? But you can only use three on three occasions if you Correct. don't do it at half time. So you get as the game goes on, if there's if there's some of your players that are like carrying a little bit of knocks and you make a that third, because it would have been the third and last one, if one of your players gets injured or breaks down or whatever, you're down to ten men, aren't you? So I think you get caught a little bit now with this mentality of bringing somebody on for the sake of bringing someone on. I mean, the last five or ten minutes, I got the feeling that both sides were pretty content on just playing out the ball for a draw. I think yeah. we were content not to lose the game. And Coventry were like, mm, well, we could push, but actually in terms of... We're happy as well. We're happy as well. So It, it was, was almost a bit like Coventry, Bristol City back in 1977. Yeah, yeah, the 2-2, two, two, wasn't it? Yeah. But there, there, was a, there was a feeling that both sides were like, mm, yeah, yeah. We'll I take think it. that's pathetic, to be honest. I'll come to you with the same question. I mean, yesterday, yeah. and do you think, you know, he, he could have made a double substitution then taking up on uh, Neil's point about being cautious. Yeah, you know, we'd used it, but he could have made a double substitution. Um, I don't know who for who, but, you know, maybe a set of fresh legs because Jay wasn't offering much from an attacking well, perspective. You, uh, and yeah. do you think, sorry, and do you think, I know it asked a very long question, and do you think we were like, oh, we're happy for a point? Because I noticed that with when we had a goal kick late on and we see, we were playing like an away side and Coventry didn't seem that bothered either. So you, Ian. Well, I, I think what I, I'd, I'd have done is brought on Pring for De Silva because Pring can cross the ball, De Silva can't. He must have had 20-odd opportunities last night to, to cross the ball. I don't think he found a City player with two. And and it, it's an ongoing thing. He's a good player. I like him as a defender. Uh, I, I As you know, I put when people were saying, well, we haven't got options, I put five or six 
different shapes of teams on Twitter and said, look, we could do any of these things if we wanted to. Um, but he's, he's done what exactly what I thought he'd do. Um, and uh, look, he, he's, he's the guy who's going to get, well, I'd say he's going to get fired. I don't think he would get fired, but he's the guy who's going to get, get brickbats if it all goes horribly wrong. Um, so it's up to him. But if he wanted to win that game, I'd have had Pring on for Jada Silva. Yeah. Pring can actually cr- cross a good ball. Um, but then you, I did the same every week. I, I look at the bench and I think, who is there on the bench that can change the game? And on Saturday, it was Semenyo. And last night, the only player I looked at and thought, yeah, he could change the game was Conway. Um, yeah. I suppose you could say Pring... Because you could say Pring with a cross, and you could say, you could say, somebody's got their speaker out there, I'm echoing, you could say Kaji for something different, even if it was for the last 15 minutes. Yeah, because I, mean, what I did you understand think? Not, not perhaps changing the, the midfield, because, you know, we were, we were dominating possession, and it wouldn't, like, you can't look around last night and say, well, actually, we didn't have enough of the ball. You know, we had to, if, if anything, we had too much of the ball, and we didn't know what to do with it. Um, so I think looking at it, okay, it was a weakened team. No James, no Scott. Um, we know all about or was it, his most interesting remark last night when he was at is when he said closer could be closer. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him start at uh, Birmingham, uh, particularly if Naismith has got uh, a muscle injury, you know, like a hand, uh, he, he's done his hammy or his calf muscle or something like that. Um, because he, he didn't seem in great... I mean, he didn't seem in agony when he came off or anything, but he did seem as though he had an injury that would you'd be surprised to see him start Saturday. Outside outside that, if you want to put Kingy back in midfield, uh, you could play Joe Lowe, but that's a real baptism of fire for the lad if he's up against Troy Deeney and Scott Hogan. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy on Saturday by any stretch of the imagination. Um Am I right, uh, Ian or Neil, that Joe Williams did pick up a booking and he's out on the same basis that um, yeah. Alex yeah. Scott is? So yeah. we, we, yes, we, we, and for both of you, I'd be right to assume that Scott comes straight back in to the side then, yeah? Yeah. Okay. And assuming yeah, I, think, Naismith... I, think, I think Scott, Dave, Scott is the only midfielder we have that actually can get on the ball in the middle and inject a bit of tempo. Yes. I don't, I don't. Th- you know, he gets the ball and his first movement is always on the front foot. And I think what we saw last night is when he's not there, we don't have any midfielders that get the ball and then drive. Mm. We don't have any midfielders that get the ball and then look to sort of move forward. I mean, Masengo can do it, but he didn't do it last night. And uh, without, without Scott in the middle there, we're a bit pedestrian, aren't we? which is the point that you were making earlier about your friend saying we are pedestrian in the way when we're breaking, you know, unless we break with pace and with speed, teams are going to get eight behind the ball, which is what they did last night, you know, with five at the back and then the three midfielders in front. Mm. And it was eight there. Come and come and do this and we'll hit you on the counter. Yeah. No, I mean, Ian, with uh, if, if Naismith is out and... Pearson's alluded to the fact that, you know, um, Close might be back in. I mean, do you just say, well, Naismith out and Close drops into the middle? And then if we have a couple of good games, you then got Viner, Close and Atkinson, and then it creates that platform to play 
Naismith in that advanced midfield. Because I still think, whichever way you cut it, I still think we are lightweight in midfield. We seem to get overrun in that department. But, you know, close for Naismith, a couple of decent games in, then does Naismith drop back in or and Viner go out? What what what, well, you, what are your thoughts on that? It depends how people are playing, doesn't it? You know, if closer mm. comes in, we keep clean sheets, we win games, what why should he be left out? Yeah. Um so you could use Naismith in that role, or you could say to Naismith, right, well, uh, and the same applies to Joe Williams, right, lad, you got your you you've got you know, you've been injured, bad luck. You got yourself suspended stupidly. What an absolutely stupid, brainless thing that Joe Williams did. Referee blows his whistle. He goes in late and out of control. He was lucky he didn't get a red. Mm. Another referee would have sent him off. I, by the way, I thought the referee was absolutely excellent last night. He, he let a poor game flow. He gave it a chance. If, it, yeah. if we had the bloke last night that we had Saturday, there'd have been 53 kicks. Um, so, no, I, I, I think it, it's all, Pearson says the player that's got the shirt has got to lose it for the other guy to come in and do a job. But I think sometimes you have to look at how the side's doing, how the side's playing. We know we're poor defensively, particularly away from home. That You know, the, the goals conceded chart doesn't lie, although I'm pleased to say that we're not, there's, I think, two or three teams now that have conceded more than us. Um, and we're still top of the goals, joint top of the goal scored chart. So it's not all gloom and doom. Uh, no. but, but, and we know we've also, hopefully, I would say it's, it's probably going to be after the international break, Dave. I think you're right that, that Callas comes back. So he's a big player for us when he's, when he's on blob. So, you know, we've got that kind of, um, if you like, that to look forward to. But midfield is, is a problem. Um, if you look on Saturday, you've got Williams is suspended. Matty James won't play. Uh, sorry, yeah, Williams suspended. Matty James won't play. Scotty comes back. I, I, like I say, I, I give Andy Vineman a, a rest to the bench and, and play with three narrow in midfield, bring Scotty back and put him in there with Masengo and, um, Masengo and Andy King. Let Andy King play that holding role and push... Scott. And that's assuming that close comes in to the back three, then, yeah, with what you just said. Um, yeah, that's assuming that. If he can, then you've got you can take a real gamble and bring one of the kids in. You know, you could move Atkinson into the middle and bring a Royal in on the left. Uh, you can't play Idahan or um, uh, Tyler because they're unless you recall them from loan. Mm. Um, or, or you could you could play Joe Lowe, who, who's the biggest of the centre backs play him in the middle and, and say, right, you know, baptism of fire, um, baptism of fire, um, you know, you're up against Troy Deeney, let's see what you're made of. In the kids. Or you could bring, or you could put, you could even put Cam Pring in the middle of that three, couldn't you? Yeah, that's... Well, you could put, put him on the left in Atkinson in the middle as, as mm. the, the taller, bigger player, but... Uh, no, you haven't got a natural leader then amongst those three in there, have you? So you have to have King in the midfield in front to protect them. Um, Neil, uh, let me ask you a question. I'm I, Last season, Andy Vyman's form was stellar. 22 goals, 10 assists. And I held my hands up on more than one occasion to answer those people that said, ah, you've been proved wrong with Andy Vyman. Um, he hasn't looked... I don't know, he's got three assists and 
three goals, is it, so far? He doesn't look the player he was last season by some distance. Now, is that him or is that the way we're playing? And as Ian said, you know, it probably wouldn't be a bad thing to give him a rest and bring him on as an impact player because he's back to the Andy Vyman that I used to criticise, which is lots of earnest endeavour. But how do you see that, Neil? For, I would say, the last half a dozen games or so, he looks like he's managing a couple of conditions. I'm sure Dave Rennie or whatever would say we're, we're managing because he doesn't have the same energy on the pitch, does he? Mm. At the moment, which is always... He's always involved to a certain degree, but um, he doesn't have the same energy on the pitch and he's not doing the same... I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if they release, you know, the Opta stats on him, the amount of running that he's doing on the pitch. So I think he's managing um, an issue because he doesn't look. He doesn't look fit. So I, I completely understand the rationale around perhaps giving, you know, him a bit of an impact uh, player, really on it. But we haven't got anybody really that does his sort of. Job unless you drop a uh, Semenyo deeper into well, it. and that's the conundrum, isn't it? Because last season we said we said Vi- we we said Vyman Semenyo what was it WSM Vyman Martin and Semenyo that's what it was last season, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. WSM, and that was leaving out Naki Wells and Tommy Conway, and those two have come in and are you know you look at their goal scoring record, they're worthy of inclusion in the side. Yeah, so they are front two. Uh, what's his name? Chris Martin, right out of the reckoning, in my view now. So, if you say you've got Wells and Conway, you've got Wells and Conway as your starters. You know, to strengthen the midfield with one body, yeah, an extra body, you have to not start survive. You have to not start with Semenyo and Vyman and have them on the bench. That's a bit controversial saying that, isn't it? You know, bolster the midfield. Dave, you don't. If you want an extra player in midfield, you leave out Weinman and play without a 10. That's all you need to do. All right. You're still not starting Semenya, are you? Where does Semenya fit? If you you say Conway and Wells, based on goals scored, your front two options. Yeah. Yeah. You play 3 5 2. Yeah. Okay, so who's your who's your you got your three at the back, so you're five in midfield. So who are your three in midfield then that complement Sykes and Jada Silver? And, and Andy players? Andy King holding, <clears throat> Scotty and Masengo. Yeah. So now if you wanted to, you could say, let's say we were a goal down twenty minutes to go, you could take off Masengo, bring on Vyman and play him where he used to play under Dean Holden in that sort of third midfield player, number eight role, and say, Right, go out there and get us a goal. But we can't go on saying, well, this player's tired, this player's carrying a knock, this player's... When we've got perfectly what well, fit players on the bench, you could go out there. Now, you might have to tweak the team a little bit, but we basically play at a 3-5-2 almost at the moment. It's 3-5-2 defending um, yeah. and 3-4-1-2 and, uh, attacking. But I'm, I'm wondering, and this is something that crossed my mind last night, I'm wondering if Semenyo's missing Chris Martin. Does he need a player like Martin to play off? What do you think, Neil? Well, def- well, Martin needs a Semenyo. 
<laughs> whether, Semenyo, whether Semenyo needs a Martin, I I just think as a team, when we get Semenyo on the ball, he makes things happen, doesn't he? So I would I would be looking to play Semenyo. I think I think we we can get away with trying to second guess exactly how the other team are going to play and. In the past, we've fallen into the trap of, you know, mucking around with our formations to try and match up with other teams. That Lee Johnson was awful at that. But yeah. I think fundamentally, as Ian's pointed out, we are the joint top scorers in the division. And last night was the only game of the season where we, we haven't, haven't scored. Found a back of the net. And, and arguably, we had the chances to score last night. A bit more composure from a Semenyo and... Wells has got that tap in at the back oh, post, doesn't he? Here, here's, a con, here's a controversial suggestion, right? I'll ask you both straight yes, no answer. Does Sykes offer anything defensively? Neil, yes or no? No, for me. Ian? <clears throat> yes, for me, but not that he's right. primarily an attacking player. Okay. What about, and this is playing a player who has played in that position, right? It's not a natural position, but it gets him in the side. And I think this is a player that the manager wants him in come what may. Because again, the guy who came with me last night, he said he thought when when this player walked off at half time, he was walking with a bit of a limp. And somebody else said that to me uh, on Saturday as well. What about playing Andy Vyman at right wing back? Because... You, whatever. So you're playing Andy Vyman at right wing back. Just to accommodate him in the team for his drive no, and his energy. Dave, you don't want to be accommodating people in the team. We, we've Pearson's gone out and he's signed since of his signings, four of them have been right backs. Right? Surely one of them can play right wing back. You, you, and, and we just said Andy Vyman looks like he's carrying something. And you just cut, no, I'm just saying if he if, if no, he needs a rest and he might have an injury. But I'm yeah. just saying he was a default selection at right wing back for Nigel Pearson a few times last season. And you're absolutely right, Ian. You're absolutely right that you know he's been buying George Tanner, Kane Wilson, la, 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 la. and it's still a problem position for us. But to have you select your best players, not so much accommodating him. But what, what, what do you say to that um, suggestion, Neil? It's not wholly bizarre, is it? Because, you know, he's... It's not, it's not wholly bizarre, but, you know, at the start of the podcast, we were talking about the right wing back and we were talking about Wilson. And your question, does Sykes offer us anything really defensively? Tanner would be a better option defensively, but Tanner's not going to give you the offence offensive issues that, that Sykes does. But then in the same respect, has Sykes actually got an assist or anything this season? I'm not... I think he put, the cross in, did he put the cross in at Wigan for the goal that Tommy Conway headed in, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but uh, I mean, people say this about Tanner. It's like a default thing that he's not as good going forward. But he scored at Peterborough. He's, I've seen him putting some good crosses. He scored at Peterborough last season, yeah, but... Yeah. I, I think I think um, Pearson's Pierce, the one that's made the point that you've got three cent. You've got three. Wilson, he says, is better going forward. Tanner is better defensively, and then you've got Sykes, who's you know arguably a bit of this and a bit of that. But yeah, but if he can't, not, not, I thought he defended better last night. Especially, I mean, you know, you can't say a bloke can't defend when he heads the ball off the line yeah. like that. Um, yeah. that. That is a defender's instinct, but. 
I don't think if if you said to me who's the best defender at the three, I'd agree with Nigel Pearson, George Tanner. So if yeah. you want, but if you especially if you're playing away and you need to be a bit more solid at the back or whatever, you you bring Tanner in uh, to to play there. And and I I don't think he's a bad player going forward. I don't know where this. Oh, he's not. He might not be as full of flair as the other two, but I think he'll get up the right hand side and put in some crosses for you. And I, I think he'll. He'll win the ball. I think what you're saying with Tanner is that he's forward because he's he is fundamentally a defender, but he needs to focus on that part of his game and therefore his forward play is secondary. So you view him as a as an out and out defender. But his forward play, he's got to focus on being a good defender before being a marauding right wing back, which is what everybody thought they were getting. I mean, he's one, one, one game of the season, isn't it? He? He's been a right centre back, yeah. And in training, they've been sort of prepping him almost to be cover for Viner if Viner got injured or was unavailable. Yeah, they've been prepping Tanner more as a right centre back than as an alternative right wing back. I, yeah. I, I think eighty crosses over the last two games, and you're like, if we're going to play with this system. And part of the fact that the last two games we've had the possession that we have is because teams have just allowed us and allowed our wing-backs to have 20-odd yards or whatever, keep possession. Because they know, they're not gonna they know we're not going to hurt. Yeah. I mean, Tim, Tim Monaghan said on here, we, Tim Monaghan said on here, we smashed LJ for putting square pegs in round holes. Well, the manager's sort of doing that already because Cal Naismith playing in the centre of defence. He is a utility player. He's played all over the park. But even he said, I'm getting used to the position. And I think equally, George Tanner was brought as a right back. They're trying to say, get him used to a position that he's not playing. And I'm sure there's another player who is also getting used to a new position. Anyway, guys, um, as I say, we've all we've all got uh, things to do today. It's, um, it just feels a little bit flat. We went into a run of four, three home games out of four. And by the way the fixtures have panned out, last night was the first of three home games out of four. I hoped that we would get, um, I said, eight points from the four games. Well, here we are. We played two of them. We got one, yeah, with uh, – no, we, that's right. Yeah, we played two. That's right. And then we've got one now. You know, maximum we can get now. Well, we can still get seven, but that means winning at, uh, at Birmingham and beating the, the bogey side. Uh, and, Neil, just to wrap up, are you, are, you, are you confident for Saturday at Birmingham or do you think they're going to bully us again with uh, Deeney and uh, Hogan – up front, and I don't know if Jutowicz or whatever his name is is still playing for him, but he was a bit of a man mountain as well. We have we have gone up there and won in recent seasons, haven't we? The um, yeah. bizarre Calamo Dowda goal that he demonstrated that he can do, but never rarely did for us. Goal running in behind, um, so we can do it. Um, I I think at the moment we are in like a one of those downward cycles a little bit. We'll come back. We've got the players this season. I've, I've got confidence in this team that we're not going to get dragged into some lower table looking over our shoulders type. I think we've got a bit more about us this season, a bit more belief, a bit more yeah. determination compared to previous seasons. But that is a struggle at the weekend, I think, um, the changes. Because when you operate with a... A small squad. You're asking players to be multitasking, mm. and uh, I wasn't. I wasn't saying with Lee Johnson. He was putting. You know, I, I know the comment about square pegs in round 
holes. What I was saying is LJ used to have this thing about trying to match, change our formation to match up with other teams' formations, and that never really goes well when you're dealing with a team that's used to be playing a certain way. But I think we go with what we have. I would keep the three up front. Let's let's have a go at them. I think Ian's made a fair point about their goals at home and their home form and all the rest of it. Let's have a go at them. Let's be on the front foot. I think Scotty will make a difference in that respect. Play Semenyo from the start. Have a go at them because we know defensively we're going to struggle. So it may be one of those 2-1-3-2 tight game. Hopefully we come out the right side of it. Yeah, well, we're going to go up there, as you say, and, uh, you know, well supported again. I mean, our support on the road has been uh, tremendous. I mean, Ian, do you, uh, do, you, do, you, do you take that somewhat positive view that, uh, uh, that Neil's expressed there? And how is it, is it, does it make any difference, the fact that we've had an extra 24 hours recovery time because Birmingham are playing up at um, the Riverside Stadium this evening? Well, if Birmingham go up there and win, then then it, it puts them on the front foot against us because we haven't won for four games. So um, I don't think it makes a lot of difference. Hopefully it, it might make the, the odd bit. Uh, our season, um, if you look, look at the game, if we beat Birmingham, we could easily be a point shy of the playoffs. Yeah. That's just how it is. But... When you look at, I looked at sides at the start of the season. Wigan looked a poor side when we played them up there, although they could have easily won the game in the second half. They're a point above us with two games in hand. Uh, Luton, we should have beaten by more goals, but we beat them 2 0, fair enough. They're two points above us on the same number of games. Mm. So there, there's a lot of, you know, it's a very competitive division. So over the next three games, we could either be six or we could be 17 and 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 that's the type of division that it is i think a lot depends yeah. on on injuries um we we cannot afford to get for key players to get to get injured we've got some cover up front um but i, I think we need to we need to manage that. And, and by the same token, when I think it's eight games we played this month, you've got to utilise your squad. And if I, and if I had one, yeah. if I had a criticism of Nigel Pearson, I'd be talking about uh, that he, he needs to utilise that squad more. And, and when people say things yeah. like, well, Wilson's a lot better going forward at right wing back, he didn't look a lot better when he came on against QPR. But I think it's unfair to the kid because he's just getting very... No, you're right, Ian. With with all these under-21... What have we got? We've got under-21 and under-23 or... you know, what's no, the, it's, what's, it's the same thing now. It's it is. Thing. Okay, so let's yeah, call it the second 21. tier. Yeah. And you can play... How many overage players can you play in games at that standard? Three think, or four, I think. Three or four. Yeah, but didn't we play more than that at Sheffield Wednesday away? Because closer play, well, of course, some of some of the senior, what you call senior players like Wilson, are actually young lads. So, but I know that Pring, closer, uh, Wilson, Tanner played in that game. But I think Tanner and Wilson are, are okay from an age perspective. So, yeah, I think they should be playing I, in those games. I think it? on that, on that basis, then Ian and and Neil, because both of you have said that fact on that basis. These other squad players should be getting half of every game 
at that level to keep them in the match temperament. I.e., for instance, if there was an under-21 fixture today, even though Cam Pring was in the squad and George Tanner were in the squad last night, you could give both of them minutes. There isn't one today, but you could give both of them minutes to have competitive action because it's not the same as shirts and skins in a training session or something like that, is it? I think Nigel Pearson's concern is that they pick up injuries playing in those games and his squad dissipates even more. So it really But, then, but it dissipates, but then he brings players on. He yeah, brings I'm... players on that, you know, they, they're, not up, they're not up to fitness because if we assume that Callas... I, I wonder how City are addressing the World Cup break because, goodness me, we're crap when it's an international break. This is a whole bloody month off, yeah? Well, so... I, I think I think looking at the bench last night, the one thing that struck me on the bench, and uh, here's a point, obviously, that Ian alludes to as well. If you look at how many minutes the players actually on that bench have actually had on the pitch, it's not a lot, is it? No. I mean, taking Williams, even Williams, really, has been in and out. Martin... Has he had? I don't know. He's, well, he's not of late. Not of late. No, and I thought Martin looked to be carrying a bit of timber since we saw him at the start of the season. He looked yeah, very, he's, he, you very know, sluggish. Spoke, you know, we spoke about him in the last filling, podcast. And he's we, filling but, his shorts. Let's put it like that. Yeah, but uh, Pring, Pring, Tanner, Cadge. How many minutes of Championship football? Well, Cadge has had more. I'll call it competitive action, probably than any of those on the bench because he has been a regular for that under-23 side. But I'm saying you've got to keep the players fit, match fit. And as I say, getting back to Thomas Callas, right? You know, he's he's in some level of training, but what prep is he going to have? Because the first game after the World Cup, correct me if I'm wrong, Ian, is it December the 10th at Rotherham or something like that? Yeah? yeah. That's yeah. our first game back. Well, we, get a, we get a month's break. So, but in, what we in, should be doing, because there's other clubs, you know, I'm sure there's one or two in League One that haven't get. You could almost be organising behind closed doors friendlies for Championship clubs to keep the players up to speed. Or if there are under twenty three fixtures going ahead, then maximise the utilisation because you know we could come back after after the World Cup and it ain't going to be a very happy Christmas and happy New Year if well, we're as sluggish. Like, um, well, it's not like uh, uh, it's almost like another pre-season, isn't it? Well, it's like what happened in the year of the pandemic, isn't it? When it shut down for a bit, yeah, yeah. and then it kicked off again, yeah. And then that... you get you get players with all these um, soft tissue in uh, muscle in, in injuries, yeah, and, you know, ham, hamstring probability oh, center and all that. So, yeah, it's it look. It, it it's there it needs to be managed carefully and i can see sides doing different things i can see some going on tours i can see some having uh summer training camps uh you know go go to portugal or something and have a training camp that type of thing but you've got to keep the players that aren't taking part in the world cup and i don't think we'll have that many um you've got, got to keep them the, on their toes and it'd be uh, nice to uh, know yeah. i'm sure we will be told it will be nice to know what our plans are to keep the players. You know, ninety percent of the squad will be having a month off, just like we are. Yeah, from that point of view, guys. Look, it's been great, uh, Neil and uh, Ian. We'll be back on Saturday with a review of the uh, match um, from uh, I'll still call it the St Andrews Stadium up in uh, Birmingham. We'll be hoping that City have bought uh, their. One point in twelve uh, uh, run of four games to an end, but to be quite honest, I take a point now and then go for broke in the two home games 
uh, coming up, uh, which will be against uh, Preston Millwall. Guys, thanks for your contribution. Thanks for everybody that's listening. Let's see if we can uh, get numbers on this episode, taking us past the magic 100,000 downloads for Forever Bristol City podcast. All the best, everybody. And thanks yeah. for listening, those that have taken time off from their morning. Cheers now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good luck. Good luck. Bye. Bye-bye. Blow them all away. What if I've been unlucky? Really, I ain't got a thing. There's a time I always feel happy. As happy as a king. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along. Along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts throbbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When Rivers Robbins are Baba Bobbin along. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along, there'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead, get up, get up, get out of bed, cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red, live, love, laugh and be happy, what if I've been blue, now I'm walking through fields of flowers, rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When the red, red robin starts bobbing along.